0: Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia.
1: On this week's episode, we have Lauren. Hello. And Tim. Hello. And <laughs> Justin. This week, we look at thinking caps and if it's possible to speed up our brain's reaction time and improve our learning with some sort of electric shock on our brain. We also look at what goes on when we see a new face and if science can help us unlock the secrets of face recognition inside our brain. We also look at drinking too much water and the process inside our brains that stops us from having too much. This week's City of Science is the one and only Tumblr for bringing us stories on being able to reconstruct faces from MRI scan images. Actually, I joke, we're not actually going to have Tumblr as our City of Science because as we all know, Tumblr is not a city, also it is not actually producing the science. Full credit to this research goes to Yale University, and Yale obviously is a fantastic hub of innovation and science, scientific research. And one of the stories we're going to talk about today, which is focusing on using faces recognition and MRI scans, has been done out of Yale University. Actually, but the researchers there from who did this groundbreaking work have now also split off and gone their own separate ways at more important universities, such as University of Berkeley, University of California in Berkeley, and also New York University. But they're all still tied together through Tumblr and this amazing face research. So I guess the shared honours for City of Science this week will go to Yale University and...
2: Tumblr.
0: Justin, I have so much to do! I'm only in second year uni, but there's so much to learn, and I'm running out of time, and I need more hours in the day.
1: Well, do you have a time turner? No. Um, Do you have clones?
0: No, and I don't have a DeLorean. Well, I do, but I don't have my um, driver's license yet, so I can't use it.
1: (laughs) Okay, well, don't worry. We're going to give you a special thinking cap, and it is going to supercharge your study and make you so effective you won't even know that you... It's going to make you so effective, you'll breeze through that work even faster than you could before.
0: Justin, I'm not three years old. I know thinking caps don't actually work.
1: Ah, yes. Well, no one told that to researchers from Vanderbilt University, who, so in particular, Robert Reinhart and Jeff Woodman, who um, basically said, you know what? No, thinking caps should exist. And they went about ways to test them.
0: So did... what? Are you saying that they went around putting hats on people's head and told them to think really hard?
1: (laughs) No, um, but they actually sat down trying to see if they could find a way um, to learn faster by electrically stimulating or monitoring or manipulating the currents in the brain. So this is really quite out there and cool, but, you know, we use caffeine and a number of other stimuli to try and speed up our brain power and get more out of our brain. And inside our brain is a big, wire a massive cage of electrical circuits that are constantly firing, and moving on. This is what neurons are transmitting signals. But what they've actually um, they've actually tried to do in this is look at specifically uh, the medial frontal cortex, which is, uh, and I love that someone has sat down and measured this. But it is the part of the brain responsible for the instinctive oops response that occurs when we make a mistake
0: so this is the part of the brain that just activates every time i screw up
1: <laughs> basically and it's it's um it it shows a large spike of negative voltage in that area of the brain just milliseconds after a person makes a mistake so why are we focusing on this part of the brain then well well we we've known that for a while and seriously the fact that someone actually figured that out is amazing <laughs> um, <laughs> But nobody knew why So they wanted to really test the idea That that, inf- that area influences learning Because obviously We learn from mistakes When we do something wrong We then sit down and go Okay, well, let's figure out what happened there And you, 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 you respond And you restore that memory better
0: So then did these scientists Just grab a bunch of participants Put a hat on them And started simulating that part of the brain?
1: <laughs> well, pretty close Um, They got an elastic headband with uh, with two secured electrodes and they coated the area in uh, saline-soaked sponges just to increase the conductivity on the cheek and the crown of the head. And um, they applied 20 minutes of transcranial-directed current stimulation. And what that what that means it's a really mild direct current that travels from one electrode through the other so basically they're passing a really really small current between your brain um, imagine if you're if you ever hold a battery and you you basically get a bit of a wire and you connect a circuit between them they're just doing that just with your head um, it sounds crazy but it's not that bad the current is so gentle that it only you know there's only a slight a few seconds of tingling or itching at the start of the session, and by after that, it's it's um, it's it, it settles out. So what happened when they zapped their heads? <laughs> so they put on this massive electrode thinking cap or headband, and then they were randomly given um, an anodal anodal signal uh, basically, which is replicating that that kind of learning response. So after wearing the cap for twenty minutes and stimulating that area of the brain that has that oops response in it um, they they gave them a test right and they were given a learning task that involved figuring out by trial and error which buttons on a game controller corresponded to different things on the monitor so it's kind of like a reverse simon says just really hard and they had to do it instinctively they had like less than a second to response uh, to to respond which meant that they really needed to, uh, to basically learn instinctively uh, with trial and error and not have too long to actually undo a big, deeper thought process. So what, what they actually found is that this kind of, this kind of response, um, they sort of they, they controlled what they called their inner critic. They learned this instinctive response much faster and they performed better at this... At this uh, learning from trial and error mistakes, so, so they get it wrong, and then they would they would pick it up quicker. So they 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 get some stuff wrong, get some responses wrong in the corresponding button to color, but after a while, they they go after, after a shorter period of time than normal, they would actually figure out which ones correspond to which correct correct signal.
2: Okay, so so you're saying they gave them an anodal current, so they were giving them a, a current from from the the a negative current. Through their brain, so a negative current um, made them made their error rates lower, and they were able to adapt to a new situation faster. But um, so it looks like when they gave them a positive current, though the opposite happened. They uh, they made more errors, and it took longer to uh, longer to learn to learn the buttons and what curls they um, corresponded to. Yeah, you're suppressing this thing that is telling you. Just do it. Just just forget it. You know, learn. <laughs> this can uh, function as as both a um, as a thinking cap and an anti thinking cap. A dunce cap. <laughs> my God, this is amazing.
0: I think I know how I'm going to become the top of my class now.
1: What? Just stimulate by... everyone's uh...
0: anti thinking. Yep.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you know what this reminds me of? Um, the if you've seen um the new the. Uh, if you've seen the movie of uh, *Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy*, where um, where the uh, his name um, Garth Two Head Zaphod um when he has to he has to um, concentrate on a task, they um, put they put his thinking cap on, which is just a big hat with a um, a lemon juicer on top, and they uh, juice a lemon over his head, and it makes him makes him uh, more concentrated and um, allows him to be a better captain.
1: Well they actually, they did soak the people's heads with sponge of saline, so they were getting pretty close there. <laughs> um, what I really loved about this study, though, is that compared to, um, compared to pharmaceutical trials or therapy, therapy-based trials. Or psychological therapy based trials. This has a much greater response in improving disease, like that rapid kind of learning from mistakes or decision making, which is great. Like they're saying that, you know, if we actually, you know, do this with electricity and science. We actually get a better response than trying to do the same thing with, with, um, drug therapy or, uh, actual phys- psychological therapy, which is really, really interesting. And they found it even keeps applying after, um, for about five hours, two other tasks.
0: Would that have something to do with the electrical and chemical natures of neurons?
1: Yeah, and so probably you have a stimulus that sort of, it triggers them for a while and then after it slowly would wear down. So you don't need to be applying it for the full, you know, continuously. You just need to have a bit of a jolt of it to, to, to wake it up and keep it functioning for a bit. Now, this may have some Absolutely. great impacts for things like schizophrenia and ADHD, where they have trouble um, maintaining focus and concentration. And it really shows what you can get at when you start studying some of these really interesting responses in our brains. We're going to cross now to breaking news from Timbler.
2: Timbler? I'm saying, I you you implying that perhaps I, I came across this article on Tumblr, and my uh- name is Tim.
1: Uh, yes, or you are some sort of Tim Tumblr hybrid, uh, where you have all of oh my. Tumblr inside your head and are able to produce science at will. That's you definitely have, what we're. Well, reading.
2: I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. That's pretty close to the truth. And also inside my head, I have. Um, I can visualize faces pretty well. Researchers. At the at Yale University, have um have uh, used data from using a um a fMRI scan, which is a scan of the brain and brain brain activity. They've uh u- used data from that to reconstruct uh, faces that people were picturing in their mind as they were as they were being scanned. So effectively, the we have now officially developed mind reading. This is amazing. Like the idea is that
1: you picture something in your head and like a face and they've
2: been able to what, piece that face back together just based on an MRI? Uh, similar. What, they, what they've what they done is they they showed um, six subjects. They showed them 300 different training faces. So they showed them a face, um, asked them to focus on that face, and then they scanned the data, out, scan scanned their brains, and they went on to the next face, scanned that, scanned that, and went on. There were 300 different faces. They were then um, showed the uh, showed um, the six subjects new sets of faces while they are being scanned. And as those people were viewing those faces, um, the computer was able, the, using the data coming from their brains as they viewed these new faces, the the computer was able to reconstruct the faces that they were looking at without having actual actually seen that face. So the the, the, face, the faces that they were looking at, were not in the library of faces that a computer had to work with.
1: Right. So they were they were giving them they gave them a training set of data and then they got to see how well it extrapolated. So, on the new faces, it performed well.
2: Yes, they uh, were able to reconstruct. Um, the computer was able to reconstruct the um, the uh, to a, to a basic level. Where it was able to reconstruct um the faces that people were seeing without having those specific faces in its database. So it, was, it wasn't it was just matching the faces. It wasn't just going, okay, these are the same signals that came when they looked at this face, therefore they're looking at this face. It was, these are a similar set of signals. Um, th- these are a set of signals that are associated with a, 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 ra- a range of faces. So um, using that data, the computer collated those, those faces that it was getting similar data. it was getting similar signals from it collated those into a composite face. Uh, and while it's, it hasn't they haven't done it um, perfectly yet, um, the accuracy of it this obviously, will include uh, will increase the more faces are, the more training faces are in, uh, and uh, put into a database.
0: This is really cool because I know that MRIs are really interesting and in the past they've been able to do things like um, tell if individuals are thinking of beach or city scenes, um, thinking about animals or thinking about buildings, but they couldn't actually tell you what animal or building it was, for example. So it's really cool we've gotten to the point where we can actually tell what type of specific face they're thinking of.
2: Yeah, and... um... And another thing they've been able to do, um, which another article very similar to this, they found on Tumblr, um, was that they were able to recon- reconstruct um, words and um, words and basic images from um, from the fmri-, fMRI data. So they'd they would um, have subjects look at a variety of different words, and then using their data from those words they would then have somebody look at a new word or or even um in some cases they they did tests where they the person was just was just had to visualize that word and then the computer was able to reconstruct the image of what they were looking at or even just thinking about so they they were literally able to read the mind of the person and translate thought directly into an image that that's amazing but is, and
1: all of this sounds really good about ways we can actually pick up what people are thinking about based on the, 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 re, the resonance images of the brain activity. But my, my concern with all this is that this is great, but you, know, you have to be inside an MRI machine to, to actually get this data before you can make those, make those analysis. So we're a long way away from mind reading because to mind read really, you don't really want to have to say, no, look, I want to read your mind. But first, please come sit in this machine so I can, you know, scan you for a bit. So this shows really what some of the really powerful things we can do by studying the way the mind responds to certain stimulants and also how we we train and use the mind to process all different kinds of inputs and outputs and extrapolate from that. How many glasses of water do you drink a day?
0: I'd say around about two to three.
1: Have you ever not really, enough? <laughs> have you ever been really thirsty, and like you just you, you just crave water, like at that like really crazily thirsty level?
0: Yes, actually, I was walking home from you today, and I felt like I was in the middle of the desert.
1: That was only like twenty eight degrees today, so that and it was raining, so that's very surprising. <laughs>
0: Drinking rainwater is not exactly the same as drinking from a glass
1: of water. That's true, and I would probably caution against drinking actual rainwater.
0: Listen, why are you asking if I'm craving water how much what, I would be drinking?
1: What, what, what did you do then when you actually had water? Did you, did you drink one glass? Did you drink two glass when two glasses when you eventually got home? Did you drink five glasses when you eventually got home? Ah, uh,
0: it's really funny. When I got home, I was really, really thirsty. So I was like, it's okay, I just had this massive glass of water and I fished it and I didn't exactly fill. Um, I still felt really thirsty. So I filled up another entire glass and started drinking that and about halfway through, I started to feel really, really full and a little bit nauseous, actually.
1: That's, and that's a common experience. So a lot of us would have experienced drinking too much water and basically feeling like we need to stop. And uh, it's a really fascinating part of our evolutionary bio- biology and history that a researcher from the University of Melbourne, Pascal Saka, has been investigating. And again, they've been using the fMRI scans to actually understand what's happening when people are drinking and thirsty. So... It all starts when, you know, in the Ortovacian period, about 400 million years ago, where animals started living on land, and we moved out of the water and started to become, you know, animals or mammals. Um, And we needed water again, We still needed to have water. So we developed this idea of thirst, which gives us the drive, the biological drive or instinct to drink. Um, The problem is that Having water is great. Like we need water to survive. We need a certain level of water in there to replenish our body, uh, which is a lot of ma- high content of water inside it. Um, but we we also need uh, the nutrients inside water, which is important. But if you have too much water, um, <laughs> you can actually get low sodium levels. It's called hyponatremia, or and also like excess fluid in the brain. So not only can you um, basically die of thirst, but you can also die or be seriously you know, impaired by excess water. So there's obviously a balance point between those two. So our brain was basically, our brains have developed a way to regulate that, but we don't really understand what causes it. We've all felt these feelings, but we don't really understand what what made that happen. So then,
0: Justin, what is it? What's helping me survive that balance between too much and too little water?
1: And it's really quite interesting. So to get this, basically, Pascal Sarker got a bunch of people uh, they had about 20 people and so work up a sweat, exercising on a bike for an hour. Um, and then after they finished exercising, they had them drink water um, inside an MRI machine, which is a bit hard. I mean, can you can imagine trying <laughs> to drink a glass of water inside one of those massive tubey things. But anyway, they did that. <laughs> and they basically got them to dr- keep drinking. Uh, so they obviously did some controls where they stopped drinking at some point with their natural levels, but they also got them to keep drinking past their natural level of what they felt like they needed to drink. And they watched the response of the brain whilst that happened. So they asked them how they felt about where their natural level of stopping to drink was, but they also monitored what actually happened in the brains at the same time.
0: So what did they observe? I mean, did the brain suddenly give off a massive stop signal when it decided that they'd had too much?
1: So what they observed is that when they were thirsty, so they'd been exercising, so they're dehydrated, they were really thirsty. And so when they drank water, the brain actually gave off the activated regions that are known to be associated with positive feelings. Um, so basically it was reduced, not just endorphins, but stimulating parts of the brain that are saying, yeah, good job, yeah, feel good, yeah. <laughs> and so all of that was, that they were all firing. That's what the MRI managed to pick up. But when they got past their threshold level, not only did the... Positive feelings stop, but negative feelings, no parts of their brain where negative connotations or um, ne- negative response areas were starting to, to flare up. So, not only that, um, negative response areas of the brain started to activate after they crossed a certain point, but they also, areas associated with motor coordination and motor control, also started to fire. Uh, so, which is interesting because the motor coordination stuff is actually the, the person trying to override their negative associations by saying, no, I'm going to drink this water, yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, which is what they were being asked to do. So they could see the interesting interplay between not only the lack of positive stimulus telling them to keep drinking, but the negative stimulus saying, stop drinking now, this is bad, uh, and the impact between that and the actual instructions telling them to drink. So it goes to show that the brain is a really complex and interesting place that has a lot of different mechanisms giving us positive and negative stimuli, which guide our response. And people with schizophrenia um, often are prone to over-drinking, and no one's really understood exactly why that is. And this helps shed some light on what actually causes that in certain types of people. and The lack of balance in the positive and negative stimuli associated with drinking water actually would cause uh, this loss of being able to judge what is the right amount of water to drink and you may end up drinking too much. So it really goes to show your brain is finely tuned to know just what's right for you. So if you're finding yourself forcing down 12 glasses of water after you've exercised because you feel like, no, I've, I've been working out for five hours, I've just got to drink like 12 glasses of water. That's If you feel sick and you feel not good associations, that's your brain desperately telling you to stop. So sometimes our brain's giving us messages and you have to pay attention and listen to what they can say.
0: This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast,
1: LaGrange Point. This week we talked about recognising faces and what work our brain does in order to help us do that. We also looked at what's going on when we have a response of having had too much water inside our brains, as well as a thinking cap and exactly how we can speed up our brain's process.
0: Our ending theme was composed by Audio Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.